So we are continuing our series called Plot Twists. And I think we can all agree that when a plot twist happens in a movie or a book, it's exciting. It's exhilarating because we think that it's gonna go one way, we think it's predictable, it's gonna have this happy ending, and then all of a sudden something goes very, very differently, very, very fast. Now some of my favorite movies are the Rocky movies. Have any of you seen them? Please tell me a few of you have. Okay, they are so good and I would tell you all of the plot twists in them because there's a lot of them, but I want you to go and watch them, okay? So I'm not gonna give you any spoilers. But that's why I love those movies is you just never really know what's gonna happen. You never really know who's gonna win the fight in the end. Now plot twists are great in movies, books, TV shows, but when they happen in our real lives, I think sometimes we're a little bit more resistant to them. We don't want our lives to have plot twists because we like when everything is predictable and normal and comfortable and we like to be able to control things. So when things change unexpectedly, that is when we are the most uncomfortable and probably the most stressed out. One of my favorite things in this life is control. It's one of my favorite things. I want to be able to control everything, but we all have to face a plot twist at one point or another in our lives. We wish that everything could go exactly as planned, how the guy gets the girl at the end of the movie, how the bully turns into this really, really great person, like the perfect character arc of Steve in Stranger Things, right? We want that to happen. We want the hero to get the victory, but that's not always how it goes. Because if things always worked out as we wanted them to, why would we need a God? Why would we ever go to him for anything? Why would we even bother? During my early childhood, I experienced very few plot twists. I have great parents. I grew up in a great neighborhood, a middle-class family at the end of the cul-de-sac. My parents thought that I hung the moon, and I agreed with them, okay? I was a big fan of myself. I thought I was awesome, maybe even a little bit above average. Within my home, I was comfortable. It was simple. It was easy, and I was safe because I was enough. This is a picture of my family back at this point that I'm talking about. Um, so just a happy little nuclear family, yeah, just kind of cute, except that there's also the awkward phase that I'm about to go into and it's gonna hit me so hard. Oh, it's gonna hit me like a truck, but I'm still kinda cute at this point, okay? So that was my family. And when I got into school, I started to realize that this comfortable life that I had been lived in, really sheltered in, that probably wasn't gonna be the case anymore. As soon as I got into school, things got difficult. I quickly began to realize that I seemed to be falling behind all of the, my classmates. They seemed to be processing more nuanced teaching while I was stuck struggling with the basics. They didn't have any trouble understanding the teacher. Well, for me, she might as well have been speaking a different language. It quickly became evident that something was wrong. And I started to understand that what was wrong was me. Educators try to make learning disabilities feel like they aren't personal, but it felt like very personal to me. I was the class idiot. I later got diagnosed with a learning disability called dyslexia, which is where you switch around letters, numbers, all the things, and it can make learning and reading, writing, 
math, all of it, very, very difficult. And this was something that I couldn't just get through, but instead I had to battle all throughout elementary, middle school, and high school. Figured out eventually the reading and the writing part with a lot and a lot of struggling and work, but math never really clicked for me. And I remember feeling really, really stupid, really, really like I was lower than everybody else in my school. I remember at one point I had to stay after school for extra lessons when all of the other kids that were normal got to go home and play. I remember feeling like everybody just kind of took pity on me because I was kind of the stupid girl. And nothing is more humiliating than knowing you are the worst at something in the entire class. Nothing is more humiliating than hearing your mom explain over and over again, no, she's not, she's not stupid. She just can't read as fast as everyone else. And I thought, well, isn't that the definition of stupid? It's embarrassing. It made me feel like I wasn't as good as everybody else, like I would never catch up to them academically or in real life, but most of all, I was angry. I was angry at myself for this weakness. I was ashamed of this perceived failure. And I was angry at God for creating me this way. It wasn't until much later at a church event when I was finally able to get some healing from this anger, when I finally brought this to him and I said, why God? Why did you have to make me this way? Why do I have to seem to try so much harder than so many other people in school? Why do I have to fight so hard? And I remember that the plot twist in this moment is what he was about to teach me. And that was that I couldn't continue to just rely on my own strength. I couldn't continue to rely on my own skills or everything that I was good at. Instead, I needed some weakness in my life because that weakness translated to reliance on God rather than myself. And this was a lesson that I needed to learn early in my life because it would become foundational to something else that would happen later, where I couldn't be my own strength. I couldn't be the only person in my life that I was relying on any further. He reminded me of the verse in Philippians 2.13. It says, for it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing, creating you, longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. In other words, God created each and every one of us. And if there's something good in us, if there's something strong in us, it's because he put it there to fulfill the works that he designed us for. So if I had dyslexia, maybe he didn't give that to me, but he was going to use it for my good. Because it wasn't just about my strength or my skill. It was about God's strength and God's skill coming through me. So as I got a little bit older and I graduated high school, I felt like I'd finally conquered that weakness, that struggle within me, that difference that everyone else not, didn't seem to possess. And I'll be honest, I kind of thought that I had my crap together. I had kicked dyslexia's butt with a 3.8 GPA when I graduated. This is a senior picture of me. Don't look at the year that I graduated. It's really embarrassing, okay? But I went to Fruita. Any wildcats in here? Yeah, yeah, I was, I was on the track team for a couple years. Then they were like, uh, you're not that good. And I was like, yeah, no, agreed. Um, so yeah, but I did letter academically. I lettered in service. So I ended up really enjoying high school and actually doing fairly well at the end, even though a lot of my teachers from the very beginning were like, girlfriend, you are behind and you might not ever graduate on time. I finally had it together. 
I'd finally caught up and I knew I was going on the college route. I knew what I wanted to do my, with my life. I knew how I wanted to spend it with and I was freaking killing it. Well, at least I thought it was. And to be honest, I completely forgot the lesson that I had been taught a few years prior, that I even needed God in the, fir- in the first place. At this point, I wasn't really super close with him. I wasn't relying on him at all because why did I need him when things seemed to be going so well in my life? And at this point, God sensed that it was time for a little bit of a humility check and a little bit of that reminder of that previous lesson. And here comes the plot freaking twist. In September of 2020, I was diagnosed with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. Now, these are weird words, I get it, but they're basically genetic autoimmune diseases that attack the thyroid and cause hyperthyroidism. Now, if you don't know what any of that means, totally get it. I didn't either. I still don't know exactly what it is, but basically your thyroid helps regulate everything in your body. So if your thyroid isn't working well, well then, there goes all regulation. And it sucked. I started to feel all of these symptoms that I had never experienced before. All of a sudden, I felt like I had no control over my body. My resting heart rate was around 130 beats per minute when it should have been closer to 60 or 70. So when I was sitting down just relaxing, my heart rate was what your guys' would be if you were working out pretty hard. I was burning up all of the time and losing a ton of weight, which was not necessarily something that I wanted or was healthy in that moment. I was so anxious. Oh my goodness, I could feel it in my chest at all times throughout the day. And I was always either on the verge of tears or extreme anger at all points. This was a person who was so, so proud of how strong and capable she was. Irritable, couldn't begin to describe the experience that I was feeling, but the worst part was sleep was basically impossible between the anxiety, the elevated heart rate, how hot I was all the time, not only could I not sleep, but I couldn't relax. My mind and my body were begging, begging for rest, but my thyroid would not stop working in overdrive. I went from being a healthy and a happy 22-year-old to somebody with two autoimmune diseases who had no control over herself. And I know that there are way worse diagnoses in the world to have, but I could not get over the fact that my body was betraying me at 22, just as my brain had done back in grade school. I kept thinking, this again? (laughs) Why does my body keep sabotaging me? Why does it keep working against me? And I began to feel like a prisoner, like I couldn't trust myself. And this was so, so hard for me because, again, I had always relied on my strength. I had always relied on my capabilities, and I hated the feeling of being weak or like I was feeling, and especially like I couldn't rely or trust even myself. Put on a brave face at work, did everything that I could not to destroy my marriage. But there were so many times when I locked myself in my closet and cried because I didn't know what else to do. I didn't recognize myself anymore. I have this picture, and it doesn't really mean much to you without looking, knowing the backstory, but I remember this night so, so clearly. It was such a low point. Now, I'm the biggest 
Christmas lover of all time. I'm basically Buddy the Elf. And every year, my husband and I were so excited when it comes to the point where everybody puts their Christmas lights up because we always go and we drive and we look at all the Christmas lights. It's our tradition. And I look forward to this night for weeks. I plan it out. I put it on the calendar. One of my favorites. But in this particular year, I remember (laughs) I was getting ready for it. And I was like, I don't want to go to this. I don't want this special tradition to be ruined by who I am right now. I was exhausted, agitated, frustrated, and I knew that it wouldn't be me going and spending time with my husband that night. It felt like someone else had taken me hostage and they were the ones that got to go and create the memories while I just hung back. I always look at this picture and it breaks my heart because I can just see it in my eyes. So unhappy, so unhealthy, and I keep it because it reminds me of just this low point of where I was. The truth is, during this time that I was waiting for God to just make everything okay, I was expecting him to come in at any moment and just rescue me, fix me, heal me miraculously somehow. I'd heard him do it so many times in the Bible. After all, it says in Psalm 91.6, don't dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. He was coming, right? But plot twist, that wasn't his plan. He was capable, but not willing. He knew that my pride and my arrogance needed a miracle far more than my body did. He knew that the lesson that I was learning would be far greater than the pain. See, I was too strong-minded. Didn't want to depend on anybody, including God. Yes, I loved him. Yeah, I kind of trusted him. But in the back of my mind, I always knew if everyone in my life fails me, if every single person betrays me, even if God abandons me, I'll be okay. I'm strong. I can get through it. I can always depend on myself. I had this contingency plan of me being my own rescuer when no one else could. But I was running from that lesson that I had already been taught just a few years prior. And I was choosing to ignore the truths that I had heard so many times in the Bible. Psalm 91 says, I dis- this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. That wasn't the case. In this running, it was so more dangerous than just a couple of autoimmune disorders. And it took something so drastic for me to finally realize that I needed to rely on the Lord again. My health had to fail before I could recognize that I couldn't be everything to myself. I couldn't heal myself. I couldn't stop my world from crumbling around me. I couldn't even protect the people around me from me. I needed God so desperately. And in reaching my lowest point, I finally reached out to God. Came to him with all of my crap, and I said, you're right. I can't do this alone. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for thinking that I can just handle everything. I'm so sorry for not trusting you with the big stuff. I'm so sorry for trying to control every single piece of my life. And there, in his refuge, in his safety, finally got a little bit of rest. He gave me the plan of action for treatment, 
I was able to get stuff together enough to consult with some doctors and specialists because though God was not planning on supernaturally healing me, he was always planning on doing it through medicine. And for the first time in almost two years, I was actually able to sleep again, relax again. But most importantly, I began to rely on his strength rather than my own, which is something that he has been trying to teach my entire life. The biggest plot twist of all is that a lot of times our weaknesses are our strength. It's what reminds us of our need for God. It's what keeps us safe and close to him because when we forget about our weaknesses, when we act like they aren't present, we get in trouble because we begin to think that we're invincible and we don't need a God anymore. I'm so thankful for my weaknesses because they keep me out of trouble. They keep me close to him. They keep me humble. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul writes these words, and it so beautifully illustrates what I went through. He says, So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, and each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That went against every fiber in my being but finally, I was able to recognize this. What if we chose to reframe our weaknesses? What if, plot twists, in the kingdom of God, weakness and failure actually equals wholeness? What if we decide, I'm not enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not tough enough. I'm not smart enough. And I'm going to fail a lot. But that's why I need a God. Because with him and through him, he can make me more than I was ever capable by myself. I want to ask you a couple of questions tonight in light of my story. And the first one is, are you like me? Are you relying on your own strength, on your own skill, your own capabilities? Are you refusing to consult anyone else because you feel like you know what's best for you? I get it. I was there. I wanted to be in control so, so bad. But the Lord is reminding us that when we do that, we are set straight towards disaster. That when plot twists come, we're not going to be capable of handling them well. And when those plot twists come, rather than being able to get through them and be stronger for it, they might end up being or ruins us. Are you going to the right place? Are you relying on the right person? Are you pulling strength from God? Second question I want you to ask yourself is, what is your weakness? What is it that something inside of you that maybe you're ashamed of or embarrassed of? Maybe it's anxiety, like me. Maybe it's depression, just overwhelming sadness, 
Maybe it's a learning disability like ADHD, ADD, dyslexia. Maybe it's one of those things. Maybe it's there's something wrong with you physically. Maybe you just feel like it's a flaw in your personality or the way that you look. Where are you weak? Because the Lord wants you to know that that's where he's making you strong. That's where his glory gets to come through to show you that you were never alone. And you never had to do it all by yourself. That verse says, my grace is all you need. And my power works best in weakness. He doesn't cause our weaknesses, but he will use them to rescue us. He will use them to work through us. And he will ultimately turn them for good. Genesis 50:20a says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. I wore this shirt tonight. I actually had my husband bring it to me. Um, this is the shirt that I wore the day that I got my thyroid removed. And it says on the back, turn it for good. And this goes along with that verse. And I just felt like that whole time I was hurt, I was angry, I was alone because of COVID. No one could go there and with me. But I knew that eventually he was going to turn it all for good. And I didn't know how. I didn't know why I had to go through those things. I didn't know why I had to have that weakness besides the lesson that he was trying to teach me. But now I get to stand before you right now. And I feel like this is the moment where he's saying, see, <laughs> I turned it all for good. You get to use your story to maybe help someone else. And you get to stand right there and say, you survived and you're better and you're stronger for it. Whatever your weakness is, I encourage you, reframe it. Yeah, it probably sucks. And you might have it way worse than I ever did. But maybe God has bigger intentions for you, for the weaknesses, than just the pain. So I want you to close your eyes and just bow your heads for a second. I want you to just have that weakness in your mind, whatever it is. Maybe it's a couple of things where you feel like, I'm just not good enough here. I'm not measuring up. I feel like I'm out of control in this different area. And just have that in mind as I pray this prayer over you. Dear Jesus, we come before you with our weaknesses now and we just lay them at your feet. And we just say, we trust you with them. We know that you're gonna come through for us in a big way. We know that ultimately you have the power to turn it all for good. And so God, we just ask that you do that in Jesus' name. But in the meantime, in the struggling as we're facing these plot twists, as we're facing these weaknesses, I pray that you just give us the strength that we need to get through to persevere. And that you just show us where you are right now and how you're moving and how you're working even when things are at their hardest. God, we just ask right now that you can redeem whatever this weakness is that's inside of us, whatever this thing is that we're facing. We just ask that you can turn it for your good. You can redeem it and you can bring something beautiful and wonderful out of it. We may not know what your plan is, but we know that you're good. We know that we can trust you. And we know that our greatest weakness, God, that's where you can show up and show us how strong you are. 
We choose to trust you instead of trying to do it all ourselves. We relinquish control to you right now and we hand it over to you. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. We love you and it's in your precious name that we pray. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.